You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another episode of Sox Degrees, and we are so pleased to be joined by the general manager of the Chicago Bears as of this year, Ryan Poles. Thank you for the time, sir. No problem. So we've never met. This is the first time we're meeting and we're in little boxes, but I'm going to ask this question anyway, uh, because we have been in the same location once. Okay. If I said the name Diamond Ferry to you, what would you say? Oh, a bad Syracuse game. (laughs) 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 A bad bad day in Alumni Stadium where Diamond Ferry did everything, put the team on his back. (laughs) <laughs> so I was a junior in college, yeah. and I was there with the student radio station oh, for okay. that, we're calling that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that. You? No. Wait, so he had a return, caught a touchdown, and ran for a touchdown? That's was right. That it, or did, was there another one? <laughs> well, you know, he played because he played offense, defense, both, right? He did. Yeah. But, yeah. So we're yeah. talking about we're talking about Diamond Perry, who was a defensive back at Syracuse from like 03 to or 02 to 05. Then he turned into a running back that day. Anyway, sorry to dredge up bad memories. Great way to introduce us. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Uh Canandaigua, New York's finest, Ryan Poles. Tell us about the Rochester area. Yeah, no, it was a beautiful place growing up. Uh Finger Lakes region. Uh one of my favorite places to be in the summertime. Um you know, there's a little bit of a history with with my dad and his brothers being, you know, uh, big time football players, kind of paving the trail for all of us to be, you know, Division One scholarship athletes. And uh, so it was good. It was a good experience. What uh, what was it like in practice going against Matthias Kiwanuka? Yeah, that was uh, that, you know, there's there's moments in your career you look back and they were really hard in the moment, but you understand it kind of made you who you were kind of growing up through that. So um, he was something else. He was a force, uh, really tough to go against, but it made you get better every single day. Matter of fact, I remember uh, my senior year, BJ Raji was uh, a nose tackle who, you know, the area knows from his Green Bay days, but that was another one that you just get challenged every day and you got to keep fighting, but you learn little ways to get better um, and, and figure out how to win those battles. So uh, it was good for me, but both uh, tremendous players. Ryan, uh, have you been a football lifer or would you say there were other sports that intrigued you when you were a kid? Yeah, I was um, basketball and football pretty much the whole way. Uh, if you know the Western New York area, lacrosse was was big um i had a lot of coaches you know ask me if i wanted to play and put one of those long sticks in in my hand and never really got into it it was the one season i had off to train uh but it was definitely you know basketball and football for me are you still the all-time blocks leader are you still the all-time blocks leader at the uh the high school (laughs) i think so someone might have got me from from that point but uh yeah i think i held that for a while Nice. <laughs> so uh, you've got the uh, the Bears uh, visor on. Uh, when you got the job and you think about not only becoming 
uh, an NFL general manager, but of a, a franchise like the Chicago Bears. Uh, can you kind of put into words how that felt on maybe an emotional level for you? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, not only the history, um, but the you know the players that have been here. The city is fantastic. Um, I was excited. I was really excited. This was one of the places I, I I had identified as an opportunity that I would love to have, and and it was a dream come true. Uh, having a, you know I, I can't say roots, but I, I was here for a short time. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool too, just being in this building before, being around ownership. I, I've mentioned this before uh, in the rookie program. You know, Virginia McCaskey spoke to us, uh, so it was a little bit deeper than than probably most experiences because I had been here, been in the locker room, seen some of those great players. Um, and then the other thing too is I know how bad this organization and this city wants this team to get back to that championship caliber uh, level and. I was fortunate enough in Kansas City to kind of go through the same deal, being kind of at the bottom and, and working our way to the top. And it's a, it's a journey, um, but I'm up for the challenge, and, and it's going to be awesome when we do get to that place. And typically uh, when you're kind of contemplating uh, in your other job, hey, if I ever ran an organization, here are some people I would identify as people I would want to be a part of what I'm doing. Did you feel like you had a long list or do you feel like when you got this job, you, you started to meet some other people who uh, kind of opened your eyes to maybe some people you didn't know that well? Yeah, it's probably a combination. Uh, there's a small group of people that I developed a relationship with. Um, Ian Cunningham was, was one of them. And, you know, before this opportunity even popped up, we were working, we were trying to grow, we were trying to find new ways um, to understand the game better, to get, dig a little bit deeper, because wherever you're at, whatever organization you're at, they have, they supply you with some knowledge and experiences that you go through, but there's also blind spots. Um, so we went and we found our blind spots and we went out and we, we kind of set out to, to fill those to become the best personnel men that we can possibly be, knowing that we're not going to have all of them filled, but we can get better. And uh, so I paired up with a couple of people, always challenging on grade scales and philosophies and what do you do in this situation, using other people's situation, other team situations uh, to talk through some of those. So uh, there's a, a handful of those people that, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to bring in here. And then there's a journey that you go on. And listen, I was a holdover in Kansas City with some of the general manager changes. So I really wanted to take the time to understand the people here. I knew some of them. They had good reputations. So I wanted to go through the cycle and get to know them. And it was really cool to find out there's a lot of good scouts in this department. So when I was supposed to, when I was able to blend them together, um, it's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a really good group, and I'm excited about them. I want to ask you one more question, and it's kind of related to my baseball relationships with front office people. Um, the institutional knowledge within the organization that you're taking over, mm -hmm. coupled with the fresh set of eyes and ears that you bring and some other people you've brought in, that combination is really important. And it's by way of asking this question. Uh, a very successful and likely future Hall of Fame executive once told me, when, I, when you take over a new team, you're going to make one great move based on your knowledge from outside the organization early. And you're going to make one awful move where you're probably going to let somebody go 
And you're going to find out down the road that was the wrong person to get rid of. Does that exist in football? And is that something that you were cognizant of when you came in that you had an idea of maybe bringing in somebody, whether it's a player or a coach uh, that, that maybe the Bears group before didn't know about? And then there's somebody here who's kind of a hidden gem that you might end up watching go flourish somewhere else. That's a good question. I think that does happen. It's probably early, um, really early to, to say right now. I did have awareness of that. I kind of I blended both of that together. One, I had some of those that I brought in that I felt really confident about and I was convicted about it. Um, and then I think because of some of those mistakes that I've seen before, I really try to be patient with evaluating the group that I had to make sure that I was doing at least my homework to make the best decision possible. I think the other thing too is, and it's important really across the board, it's not a cookie. You can take lessons, but it's not cookie cutter. So you really have to be cognizant of trying to do the same exact thing that you did from the other team. It's just different. So just being aware of some of those situations, the people, the players, but then also being open-minded and listening to your group around you so you don't make some of those those uh, those errors and let someone go that you shouldn't have or brought someone in that you shouldn't have. So I'm hope, I really, really hope I'm on the right path right now, but we'll find out in a couple of years. <laughs> what does that patience look like? Um, it's taking time to get to know people. It's doing homework. It's doing research. It's uh, references. It's it's more than just checking. You know, if it's a, an employee or a scout, it's more than just coming to work and extracting information from them. It's getting to know them, their lifestyle, their families, um, their work habits, seeing if if they're able to tell you what they're good at and what they're not good at. Thing with players, it's it's film, it's reaching out to other teams, it's doing the homework to make sure that you know what you're bringing into the building. So you mentioned briefly your experience with the Bears. How do you think being an undrafted free agent colors the way you handle that pool of people specifically? I think that's a good question. I think you know, I, I, a couple of things with players. I have a sense of what it feels like to to be in the room at the bottom as an undrafted free agent and understand what that feels like. Um, but I also have been around really good players. So you see the whole spectrum. Uh, for me, the relationship that I have with players matters. I understand the. It, it's tough. It is hard to be a player. You know, I, I think outside the building, it's, it's a glorious thing. You get a lot of love, but it, it is hard. It's a hard occupation. You do, you know, if you're successful, you get paid well, and I get that. But um, I understand how some of these guys that are battling for spots, how they're feeling. And I like to check up on my guys, even at the top. Like, make sure you come in and have a conversation with me because I understand that it is hard and you have uh, doubt or you have a ton of confidence and you need to be kind of humbled back down to a certain level so you know that you have to keep working. Um, and then really, I'll. I can't really tie the personnel and building a staff to being a free agent, but I started at the very bottom as as a, a scouting assistant. And again, knowing the whole spectrum from the bottom to the top, spending time with people, developing those at the bottom to be future executives. So I keep that in mind. What does a scouting assistant do? What were your uh, jobs? Oh, the old school scouting. It's funny, like I act like I'm super, super old. Um, uh -huh. but, like it was hard. I mean, you worked, you waited until, you know, the general manager was out of the office. Um, 
you made coffee runs, um, you did airport runs, you know, where you would pick a player up and then you would take him to the orthopedic to get a, a, a physical, then the, the yeah, physician for another physical. By the time you get back, it's it's two o'clock and you haven't done one thing and you have a, a pile this high on your desk. So it's just, and then you learn how to multitask, you know how to deal with people, you know how to spend time in that car ride with that player to understand like, because they just see you as a scouting assistant. So they're going to really show you who they are. So like, where's your focus? What's your family situation? Are you really in it? You know, um, so there's, it, it's a really cool experience to look back on and it helped me develop uh, myself. But um, those are hard days, man. Those are long hours. <laughs> who were you driving around? <laughs> Well, just any player that came in for, you know, a tryout or signed as a, you know, free agent or draft pick. It was everybody. Who was your most memorable? I, I feel like we have like a comedians in cars getting coffee situation here. Oh, like yeah. you, you driving people. Who was your most memorable drive around? I would say I picked up Charlie Weiss from the airport, brought him in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was, was that conversation like? I was talking about Brady the whole time. <laughs> I've, I've been around charlie a few times he uh used to sing the uh, seventh inning stretch uh up at wrigley field um ryan i want to ask you about culture building because that's kind of the big buzzword in your sport how do you build a culture and how long does it take when when you're the new guy coming in and a new coach yeah, I think every situation is different, but how you build culture for sure is the people that you bring into the building. Um, it's it's the players, the type of players, it's the type of coaches, it's the type of support staff uh, from the trainers to the equipment to the weight room. Uh, because then it comes down to consistency. Can you set a standard of this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to play, and this is how we're going to do it? As Chicago Bears. And then everyone has to be consistently saying the same message. If someone starts giving in on some behavior that doesn't match what Bears culture is, then it starts to slip. So I think it's consistency and it's bringing in the right people. Um, and I always lean on people. I, I really do. Uh, I think you can change it faster if you have that understanding that it's the type of players that you, you bring in the locker room. If you have a, a prototype of, of the type of player you want and you just keep adding those players to the locker room, it gets stronger and it protects itself versus adversity because there's going to be hard times this year. And listen, I've been on teams that are really bad. There was hard times for sure. And then I've been on Super Bowl teams and there are patches that are really, really bad that it could tip one way or the other. And you got to be strong to get through those hard times where they get closer rather than starting to disperse. So um, and really having that partnership at the top with Coach Ibrucluz. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted him as the Bears head coach is because he understands that. He understands that he's, there is a standard that you need to be consistent. And then on top of that, because there are to set it, you're going to have to be stern, but you have to be able to have the emotional intelligence to then um, have those conversations with players. So they understand that you're doing it for the, their betterment so that we win and that they can be successful, too. So that's kind of my whole deal on just kind of building the culture. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that is beautifully articulated. Is that something you literally have kind of written down uh, over the over the course of time? Is there some sort of you know secret manual that you you hand out to the coaches and the and the front office people that you know we have to stay on message with our players, or is that just in conversations, kind of a verbal thing that's pounded over and over and over again over the course of weeks and months? Yeah, no, it's pounded on between. Um, really it's top down. So it starts with coaching Profuso myself. And then that has to be fed to, so for him, what that looks like is he's telling his coordinators who are then telling his position coaches. So that's how they run their room and their units. For me, that's what I'm telling my scouts. So when they go out, I have them all in right now. Um, when they go out on the road for camp and for fall, when they're researching these players that we could potentially draft, they need to understand like how, how do they handle adversity? How do they communicate? Uh, who are their mentors? Who do they lean on when things are hard? Um, do they have that toughness and grit through hard times? And then tell me about some stories where they did go through some hard times and came out on the other side. Um, so that's how it kind of flows through. So then we're bringing in the right people. And then when they're in here, it's being made that that culture and that type of football and personal characters being maintained. Um, so it, it's, it is a journey. It takes time to add, you know, they don't give you a ton of money and a restart and, and, you know, a fresh, you kind of walk in with some things that are kind of here and you're going to have to tweak and, and you make it, make it happen. So I wonder, as you're talking about building this culture, what are the big behavioral no's for you? Like the, the things you see in daily conversation that you're like, I, maybe I can't do that now, but I do need to change this. So what what kind of breaks that culture down? Is that what you're asking? Well, like like what are what are the things that that stand out to you that people might do routinely that you're like, that's not exactly the best behavior for a winning culture. Yeah, negativity. Negativity. Uh, we've all been around people that are just constantly negative, and they're just absolutely just um, they're they're vampires. They suck the life right right out of whatever room you're in. And it's just like, bro, like, do you like what you do? Are you happy? Like, even when things are good, like, you know, they could be better instead of just living in the moment and being positive. But that negativity, it can be divisive. Um, and it, it really pulls against what we're, we're trying to do. So that's kind of one of those things that we look for. And as scouts, we're asking questions, you know, to the schools and, you know, the colleges that we're going to, like, when things are hard, like, how are they? Or are they upbeat? Are they loving it? I look for, I, I put it this way, like, I've been around guys when they run out to practice, it's like recess. It's like, it's it's free time. They're going out to the, the, the park and they're jumping on the, 
on the slides and, and they're happy and they're bouncing around. Like those are the types of people that you want because they love being here and they're positive. You know, Ryan, we, that's that's very interesting to me. And we could talk for like half an hour just about positivity and how you get that. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in in baseball. There's a lot of conversation about whether or not the what's incentivized by paying players like home runs and not base hits and stolen bases, but it wins you games overall. Uh, whether or not there should be rule changes to create a better fan experience. And it seems to me football has some of that as well, like rotating running backs, valuing them less. Now I sound like a fantasy player and I don't mean to, but where is that confluence of what's good for the player, what's good for the rules of the game, what's good for the team and what's good for the fans? Where's the sweet spot in football for you on all that? Yeah, that's an interesting topic. You know, if you really just focus on incentives, you want to talk about culture and, and, doing things a certain way. We had a discussion in the beginning on how we were going to do contracts and incentives. And we really came to the conclusion that at least half, if not more, the whole thing needs to be team incentives. So did we get better? Did the defense, if you're coming as a defensive player, the offensive player, did that side of the ball improve with efficiency, yards, touchdown, whatever. Um, did we make it to the playoffs? Super Bowl, you know? So really trying to make sure that it was team focused um, because I think you're right. When you get to that spot, it's, we've all seen some of those weird ones at the end where guys, you know, uh, first down or not first down, a touchdown away or 10 yards and it's just like all focuses on that one person and that's really not what we're trying to build i want these guys to be successful i want these guys to make as much money as possible um because if they're doing well and and that's what's happening then we're all successful but you know there is a little bit of that selfish part of it that's that's tough to to manage when those incentives are, are built into it I have a couple more uh, nerdy football questions. Um, we really appreciate the time, uh, Ryan. Uh, number one, on the analytics side, yeah. and obviously this is a question uh, Matt will be asked a lot more as you get toward the regular season. Uh, are, as a football fan and someone now running an organization, are you a fan of punting less often when you have fourth and short in enemy territory? Uh, are you in on the idea of if you're down 14 with 10 minutes to go that you would maybe go for two to give yourself a chance to possibly win the game with that second touchdown? Those are really hot button analytic topics in the NFL. And a lot of coaches are doing a lot of those things more often. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm naturally a more aggressive um, but really, here's here's the interesting thing, and it's even in scouting as well. And we have a group of people that work on that for us to give us some of the percentages, and we rep that out at practice. Um, I mean, that's that's their job. It's the in-game decision making, and the analytics kind of tied to that to know when when you should and when you shouldn't. Um, I do think, regardless of any what sport you're playing, there is an element of feel that you you understand what that game feels like and yeah should we go for it by the numbers and it's just tipped over to say yeah there's a higher probability that this helps us win and the win percentage goes up but we've been in those games where you're like 
it's just not working today. Like it doesn't feel right. And I think that's what you have to lean on. And you, you have that sense the more you're around the game. Um, I'm all for it. We love that information here. We use it, we use it to challenge our, our thoughts on what we should do. And it, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out during the season. But yeah, that's, that's a part of it. But I do feel like either if it's for acquiring players or, um, game day that there is an element of field that you kind of have to lean on, but you need to be aware of the numbers. And, and the last one I will ask you, um, and, and, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't is as a casual NFL fan who watches a fair amount, the importance of the quarterback seems enormous. That position seems more important in your sport than in any other of the major sports. Do you agree? <laughs> and as you build a team, how important is that, that the quarterback is so important? Yeah, it's a, it's a quarterback-driven league. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, I've seen it through all different levels. Um, when you have great ones, you always have a chance. Um, I mean, if you go back to the time I was in Kansas City, the, actually the year we won the Super Bowl, we were, I mean, we were getting beat bad in all those playoff games, and the guy just finds a way. Um, I can't deny that at all, but, um, you know, I think that evaluation piece is huge. I think, um, really having that communication with your quarterback in terms of what you're doing and, and how you're building the team and, and what your plan is. So they're aware of it too. Uh, like here, I, I, I have conversations with Justin. I, I showed him the draft board. Um, I watched tape with him because he does need to be aware of that I know that it's important and that I have a plan to put him in a position to be successful. And that's important to me. It really is important to all the players, but there is, it's a quarterback driven league. So um, I'm aware of that. And, and I do believe that and we got to keep, you know, get to a place where we can maximize our quarter. Everyone wants to do that, maximize the quarterback's ability. Before we let you go, Ryan, this being a baseball team podcast, uh, are you a baseball fan? Rochester Red Wings? What are we What are we talking about? Red Wings, wow. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I didn't really dive into baseball just because I didn't play it past youth baseball. So my son's nine, and he has brought me into baseball more than I ever thought I would be. Uh, matter of fact, they're flying up here now. Um we were at the game, uh, the White Sox game, and he said play ball, which he thought was unbelievable. Um, but then after minicamp here, we're going to fly to Omaha. He's going to play in a tournament. His games are in the morning. Then we'll go to the College World Series uh, later in the day. So uh, to answer your question, I wasn't as much early. He has brought me to the game. I am more now than I ever have been. And then, you know, I'm in a city with two two teams that I'm excited to, to watch and, and get to know everyone in both organizations. And um, it should be fun. So I am now for sure. Love it. Hey, next time you're at a White Sox game, come visit us up in the booth. All right. I will. I will. Yep. Awesome. Ryan Poles, Bears general manager. Thank you so much for the time. You're welcome.